the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. NRIA.net. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. We want God to heal our land. But God is not a rabbit's foot that we can rub and make our wish and have it happen. We're in trouble. Our nation is bitterly divided between the left and the right. We're on the verge of civil war. We have an election that is up in the air, both sides claiming victory, probably will be settled in the courts. We're in trouble because our economy has been shut down by government and many are out of work. One out of three families in the Washington metro area, according to the research I've seen, are concerned about having enough food to eat. A couple that I have tried to minister to in the name of Jesus and call them to serve him just received notice that they were being evicted on December 20, just days before Christmas, in the midst of winter. They have an old rickety van they can live in, but that's going to be tough because she's 72 and very frail. And what did they say? Well, we're praying to God. We believe God will rescue us. Well, on what basis do you believe that God will rescue you? Have you served him? Have you laid your life down for him? No. As she speaks, every other word is a curse word. And he believes in any God he can call upon. He just needs help. So will God rescue them? Only if he has incredibly over-the-top mercy for them. They so typify America. We have thought that we could rearrange what marriage was and say it's between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. It's, it's whatever we say it is. Is that true? Where is our absolute authority? Are we our own authority? Do we determine what a marriage is and what a marriage is not? Or does God do that? Well, let's be tolerant. Whatever goes is okay, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, really. Do you believe in cause and effect? Do you believe that if you take certain actions, there will be certain responses? Like if you don't pay your mortgage, your house will be foreclosed on. Well, what if you say to the mortgage company, look, why don't you just be tolerant of us? And the mortgage people are going to say, are you kidding? We owe 
the bank. We borrowed money to buy this house as an investment. And now you want us to be tolerant of you not paying? The bank's not tolerant if we don't pay. Cause and effect. Well, don't you believe that there's cause and effect with the Lord God of heaven? We've become very soft in America. I spoke with a friend last night who said, if Americans went to another country, they would be dead shortly because America has become very soft, spoiled, rotten. And so people here, because there is the possibility of great luxury, great opportunity, People have become very soft, and whatever they want to do, they do, and it's okay. Well, not with God. It's not okay with Jesus. So we want our, our land healed. We want to be returning to prosperity. We want the businesses to quickly reopen. We want the malls to be well supplied. We want the grocery store to be filled with wonderful food bringing it in from all around the world. We want what we want. That's not how God operates. Do you understand the luxury of America has come directly out of the holiness and the hard work of previous generations? It's not always been this way. My grandparents went through the crash of 29. It forever changed them. My dad went through it. He was born in 1901. Dad was tough. He knew how to survive. So he made a covenant with the Lord and he gave 50% of everything he earned to the Lord God of heaven for the work of the gospel. He supported several, two at least, radio programs. He paid his tithe to the church. 50% went straight to the gospel. He knew he had a relationship with the Lord God of heaven. He walked holy and righteous. He didn't play games with God. America has played games with God. We have become very liberal, very permissive, thinking that this luxury would always last. And suddenly the luxury is disappearing. And I know that God is stepping in very directly. He is the ruler of heaven and earth, and everything on the earth belongs to him including you and me. How do we come to God in such a way that he will hear our land, heal our land, turn it back? Well, if we use the blessings of God for disobedience, then the first word of the gospel is going to have to be repent. 
And the second word of the gospel is, you got it, repent. The third word of the gospel is, repent. I listened to a preacher yesterday, nationally known preacher. His whole sermon was, if you believe anything is possible, he's wrong. Positive thinking can bring very positive results if it's accompanied by the correct action. But there is an action we must take with God. And that action is to obey him and to repent and to turn from our wicked ways to humble our hearts before him and seek his face. God is not some cosmic Santa Claus handing out wonderful gifts to whomever asks him to give them. No, we have in America used the blessings of God to fund our disobedience. And the Lord is not happy with that. And so we're already seeing the judgments of God being poured out on America and on the world because God is saying, enough, stop. You cannot walk in your tolerance of evil, your destruction of marriage and the family. You cannot walk in every kind of wickedness and think that you are going to be blessed by God and delivered by God. If God allowed the wickedness of America to continue, he would have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. He would have to apologize to Babylon and to Medo-Persia and to Greece and to the Roman Empire. God has never let an empire continue year after year walking in degradation and wickedness and sin, sexual immorality, and every kind of evil and violence. God has never allowed that. Check your history. He lets it go so far, and then he turns it over and says, Okay, you're finished. Belteshazzar. The book of Daniel brings in the goblets from Jerusalem that his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken in war. And he said, let's drink to the gods of gold and silver. Let's, let's, let's drink out of these goblets our wine. Let's mock the God of Israel. And so they did. And the handwriting came on the wall, and he was so terrified he peed his pants he was terrified. And the message was, you are weighed in the balance and found wanting. This night your kingdom will be given to the Medes and the Persians. And that night he was killed by the Medo-Persians who diverted the Euphrates River that ran under the wall of Babylon, and their armies came rushing in and took the city and killed 
the son of Nebuchadnezzar, Belteshazzar. And the Medes and the Persians took over. You see, actions have consequences. And we have been spared many of the consequences that should have come to us. Out of God's great love and mercy for America, he loves America. And he wants America to belong to him. But our churches have become filled with pastors who are well-paid hirelings. They stand up in front of their congregations before COVID and told some jokes and laughed and then finally began to talk about all the positive strategies for getting ahead, for making money, for being prosperous. Or they droned on about some ritual until the church today in America has become totally useless. It has lost its saltiness. Now, some of you are going to be offended by what I'm saying. I don't apologize to you. When a man goes into the physician and he's sick and they run the tests and he goes back to see the doctor and the doctor says, I'm sorry, sir, but you have stage four cancer and you have at most six months to live. That doctor is not going to soften that and lie to this patient. He knows this patient is dying and needs to prepare for eternity. I'm coming today to you and I'm saying, America has terminal cancer. America is right on the edge of being swept away. And if we don't repent, if there is not another great awakening, America will be lost. And the greatest nation in the world will be swept into the dustbin. The greatest nation, the most prosperous nation, and the most holy nation in all of history will be cast out with the garbage. And we'll have a Marxist government, a totalitarian government, a dictatorship. And we will have lost our freedom. And many will die in the process. Now, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news. That doctor didn't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but he had to speak the truth to the patient. And the patient, America, is terminally ill. Now, we still, we still have prosperity in some quarters. In the seal that is opened in Revelation, the command is don't touch the oil and the wine. So we will have in America some prosperity. But countless numbers of millions are losing everything. 
Jesus comes in John, the sixth chapter. And a great crowd of people, they're following him. They're following him because he's seen the miracles. These people have seen people healed, miraculous things they've never imagined seeing before. And the book of John, chapter 6, verse 2, says that these were signs. Well, what is a sign? It points to something. Jesus, seeing this great crowd of people, he's taught them all day, according to Mark. And they're hungry. And he turns to Philip and he says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He only asked him that to test him. He knew what he was going to do. He was going to perform one of the greatest miracles in Scripture as a sign. We need to pay attention to that sign. We have seen the sign of great prosperity in America. We've seen the sign of incredible food sources, beautiful homes, incredible cars. We've seen all of that. Then Philip says, eight months of wages or 200 denarii. A denarii is one day's wage for a working man. Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have even a bite. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, speaks up and he says, Hey, look, here's a little boy. And he has five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far are they going to go among this huge crowd? At least 5,000 men were there and probably another 5,000 women and and children added, how how can these little loaves? Well, they can't. It's impossible. Jesus said, have the people sit down. So they sat down in groups. Jesus takes the loaves in his hands. He gives thanks. And he distributes it. Everyone has all they can eat. It's a feast. And then Jesus says, gather up the pieces that are left. We don't want to waste it. They gather 12 baskets with pieces. Well, why did they gather 12? Because there were 12 tribes to Israel. And the Lord was saying, look, I'm enough for you, Israel. Jesus is saying to America, look, America, I am enough for you. If you will repent of your sin, I will restore your land. I will heal your land. But you must repent. Jesus, knowing that the people were so excited about this sign that they were going to come and declare him a king, he left and went to the mountain to pray. And the disciples, they got in a boat and headed for Capernaum, the other side of the lake. They'd rowed about three, three and a half miles. There was a a storm on the water. It was very slow going. And Jesus came to them, walking on the water. 
He was terrifying to them. They thought he was a ghost. He spoke to them, and they recognized him, and they brought him in the boat. And it says, as soon as they brought him in the boat, the boat reached the shore immediate. Another miracle. Now, what I'm wanting you to see as I share this with you is that Jesus can do anything, but he will not do everything. He's giving these Jewish people a wonderful sign that says, look, I am who I say I am. I am God. I am Messiah. Nothing is too hard for me. But you must repent. Well, the next, the next day, the people are searching for Jesus. They knew he didn't leave in the boat. They don't know where he's gone. So finally, they go back over the, the lake to Capernaum searching for him. And when, when they found him on the other side, they say, Rabbi, how'd you get here? And Jesus cuts right to the core of the truth. He says, this is verse 26, John six twenty-six. I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs. In other words, you're not looking for me because I'm Jesus. You're looking for me because you had plenty to eat. And then he says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that in." to eternal life. And they ask, well, what is the work of God that he wants us to do? He says, believe in the one he sent. Believe that I am who I say I am. Obey me. Well, he says, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And now we begin to understand what he was pointing to with this this miraculous outpouring of of bread and fish to supply the body needs of the people please understand me i'm saying that jesus cares about your physical needs he cares about where you're going to live he cares about what you're going to drive he cares about where you're going to work and his blessing can be there to open the way for you Right now, I have to move. My landlord is selling after seven years. I don't have a house to move to. But I know he will bring me a place where I can be at peace and do the work of the gospel. I know that. I've walked with him as his servant for many years. I've prayed, and he's... He's answered, and he said, yes, I will provide you a place. I will carry you. Jesus said to the people, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me, and you do not believe All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Now, the people argue with him. They don't like what he's saying. 
They want to continue their lifestyle. They want to continue with their belief in a magic God. They want to believe that they can have everything in the world, in the flesh, and the devil, and God too. And the Lord says, no, you can't. Let me read this for you. I am the living bread. This is this is verse 51. I am the living bread that come, comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Well, Mark tells us that the disciples did not understand this miracle. I'll read for you exactly what what the book of Mark says about it. As he comes to them in the boat and they're terrified, He said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Now, that's the reality we face. America's heart is hard. America has had its way for so many years. And we've lived in such luxury for so many years. And now as things are beginning to totally unravel in our nation. And we may experience war. We may experience famine. No, we will experience famine in America. Back in 1929, in that time of desperation, over 7 million Americans died of starvation. People lived in shanty towns. People who had had good jobs lived in shanty towns with tin and, and cardboard and, and plastic coverings. They lived on the streets. America was broken. Do you understand what's going to happen with the debt reset? when our money is suddenly not worth very much or of of anything, when a loaf of bread costs 10 or $15, $20, how are you going to survive? We're in trouble. And we really only have two options. One, experience the bitterness of having lost everything. Now, some of you are still very wealthy, and I praise God for you, and many of you who have resources yet, 
have sacrificed greatly that this radio broadcast could stay on the air because it's a work of, of faith on my part. But we're in trouble. How are we going to survive? I want to offer you today a Thanksgiving meal. And the Thanksgiving meal I offer you is the broken body of Jesus and the spilled blood of Jesus. Is your heart hardened or can you understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about a spiritual reality that has a consequence in the physical realm. Jesus came to bring his kingdom to this earth. The gospel is the story of the kingdom of God being established on the earth. It is the will of God through his kingdom to bring all things into unity. To bring Jews and Gentiles together as one body, one man. It's the will of God that everything on this planet be brought under his authority. We don't see that now. And that's the mystery of the kingdom of God. It's here, but it's not totally in charge yet, but it will be. Revelation 20 tells us there is a, there is a millennium of a thousand years. And during that thousand years, Jesus will be on the earth and he will reign with a rule of iron over the nations. And there will be peace on the earth. And every difference will be settled by the Lord. Differences between nations will be settled by the Lord. In reality, this is not spiritual, mystical stuff. No. I offer you for thanksgiving the broken body of Jesus and the spilled blood of Jesus. And this thanksgiving... We're having stripped away from us our prosperity. We have lived and prospered by going more than $50 trillion in debt as a nation. That's so big I can't begin to even wrap my mind around that. If we count the actual debt, we count the disappeared monies, we count what we owe in pensions. It's more than $52 trillion, according to John Williams. Now, as we face this, and we face the reality of shortages in the grocery store, as we face the reality of inflation and rising prices, as we face the reality that many of you have to deal with of losing your jobs or being evicted from your houses and having to move in with family members, the first word of the gospel is repent. The second word is, yes, repent. Repentance is turning from our wicked ways. God will not heal our land until America turns from our wicked ways and we seek his face as a people. We humble our hearts before him 
and we cry aloud to him. The time of ease is past for America and the world. We're not going back to what we were before. The debt deal is crashing. Oh, I know the stock market is soaring, and it's going to even soar higher, much, much higher. Why? Because the Fed and the Treasury will just produce fiat currency out of nothing. And then eventually it will lose all of its value like it did in the Weimar Republic in Germany. And you'll have to take a wheelbarrow full of cash to the grocery store. I know this is probably not good news, but there is good news. The good news is that if we will repent and we will learn how to feast on Jesus, if we will turn off our entertainment, if we will change our lifestyle, if we will deal with reality, then we will begin to stockpile some food and some defensive things. We will begin to to live much more carefully. We will not spend so rapidly. And we will look square in the face of the cancer of America, the utter ungodliness and wickedness the destruction of marriage, the destruction of the family, the violence in our televisions and movies, the violence in our video games, the anger and the bitterness, the judgments, the lust for money. We will begin to turn away from all of these things and seek the face of Jesus How do you eat the broken body of Jesus? By repenting. By turning it all over to Jesus and letting him be in charge of your life. By turning away from the casual lifestyle with all the gaiety and the parties and the fun. I can tell you, Much of that will be gone by Christmas. We're going to have to face the reality of the cancer for America and the Western world. We're crashing. Now, if you don't believe me, listen to the news. Listen to the mainstream media as they lie to you and try to tell you everything is just fine, but they know it's not just fine, and there are huge cracks showing up in their falseness and their lies. So I come today very sober, very serious. It's time to repent. time to confess our sins in specific 
in specific detail to our Lord God of heaven. It's time to say, Oh God, heal your land. Claim us once more as your people. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation. It's time to go before the Lord and weep and cry and repent and change what we're doing. The pretend game is over. Oh, you may carry it on for a short time yet, but it's over. And now the question is, how do we survive? How do we have enough food to eat? How do we have enough gas for our cars? How do we have enough money to pay for housing? That comes out of deep repentance and turning back to Jesus and trusting him to guide you, to direct your steps, to tell you where to go and what to do. That's going to require a serious amount of time on your part. In the prayer closet, reading the scriptures, waiting on God. Waiting on God. This is not a quick five-minute fix-me-up, Jesus, I'm on my way. That day is over. It never worked anyway. Literally, we've got to hear from Jesus again. And we've got to seek the face of Jesus. I'd like to pray with you today. Lord Jesus, I'm concerned about every person who is listening to this broadcast on the radio or on the internet or in the podcast. For I know your word was very clear. The first thing you began to preach, according to both Matthew and Mark, was repent, turn from your wicked ways. But Lord, we have thought that we could continue in our wicked ways and you would continue to bless us. And we could have a form of religion, but no power except we could go to the world and get the power. We could go in debt. We could take care of ourselves. We didn't need you, Jesus. But now you're stripping away. And I know you're going to utterly destroy in America our confidence in our currency. Lord, I know you are gracious and merciful and kind. You are long-suffering. You are loving. And you will forgive. Store, and you will heal. Lord, you're not the one in question. We are the ones in question. Will we finally turn away from our wicked ways and get serious with you and stop the parties and the casualness and the lightness and would we seek your face 
because we finally recognize America's dying. And if you don't come and redeem us, Lord, we know America will be swept away. America will be divided and destroyed. Lord, I'm asking now, would you begin to move in the hearts of people who are listening and do with them the same thing you've been doing with me, causing me to come before you and search my heart, causing me to come before you and read your word, causing me to come before you and be very specific about what's going on in my heart and ask you to wash and make clean and whole and restore. Oh, Lord, I pray for America. I pray you will turn the judgments only to repentance and not to destruction. I know you love this nation. I do too. And I know you are a God who desires America to return to you. But Lord, our pulpits have not been on fire with holiness and righteousness. Lord, we've believed preachers who have taught us that we can sin and still go to heaven. Lord, I want to call them the pajama boys. Soft, weak-willed men and women who've taught a lying gospel. I ask mercy for them, but I ask that they would be totally exposed And I ask, Jesus, that you would come in power and rescue your church. Rescue it from those who would lie and cover up their corruption. Lord, I come and pray for your church. For you love your church. I know you love your church. And Lord, I also come today Pray for our president and his cabinet. I pray for the House and the Senate, the Supreme Court. I'm asking, Lord, that all corruption and all lies would be totally exposed. I'm asking that you would bring voices of rebuke to the powers of darkness that have led our country astray. Lord, I'm asking for judges who will be just, who will be righteous. Lord, I'm asking for a judiciary that would walk with integrity and that all corruption in the judiciary would be exposed. Lord, please come. asking for a new America, Lord. I'm asking for another great awakening as under Jonathan Edwards, as under 
the Wesley brothers. Lord, I'm asking for a Charles Finney revival. I'm asking that you would pour out your spirit. For we will not change if your spirit does not bring deep conviction to our hearts. We have been hardened by our sin, Jesus. Would you come, Lord? Would you minister to our broken hearts? You are a God of such mercy and such compassion. And it doesn't bring you pleasure to bring judgment and destruction upon a nation. But you will not forever tolerate evil and violence and corruption. Lord, they're even talking about introducing human brain cells into animals. Lord, I know you will not allow this wickedness. That's what they were doing before the flood. And you came and destroyed the whole earth. Lord, I just come today and plead for revival in America, for awakening in America, for a turning from wickedness in America. And I know it has to happen one by one by one. Each listener has to make their decision to seek after your face with all of their heart. And if we each make that individual decision and we repent and obey you and believe in you, I know you will heal our land. And I know if we don't, this land will face the judgment and wrath of the Almighty and we will be destroyed. Lord, I thank you for today and I ask your blessing on every person listening. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Please go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find this YouTube video and many others. They'll load this. It takes YouTube some time, but they'll have it loaded by this evening, and you can listen to it again, or you can share it with a friend. I also ask, would you subscribe to our channel? The more subscriptions we have, the more Google will put us out there and advertise. I also ask if you would be willing to support this broadcast. And I can't thank many of you enough. It's an interesting thing that's happening. People are stepping in and they're supporting people who finally are saying, look, I don't know where or how I found you, but I was led to listen to this broadcast and it's changing my life or it's what I've always believed and now i found where I can get fed. Thank you. God bless you. So go to that upper right corner of the webpage and you can click on Give Online or write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, 
Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God loves you. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you soon.